One of my favorite movies growing up was The Karate Kid. Great movie. Mr. Miyagi training, Daniel LaRusso, the underdog, uh, the, the, the kid that nobody thought would become a great fighter. He's training him. And what always stood out to me about this movie is the unorthodox, untraditional ways of training that Mr. Miyagi would have Daniel LaRusso go through. So he's come to his master, Mr. Miyagi, he wants to get trained so he, he can become a fighter. So he shows up, and you can just imagine his excitement. He's ready. He's ready to learn a bunch of cool moves. He's ready to slam some people, how to kick, how to punch, all that sort of stuff. Shows up at Mr. Miyagi's house, and he's ready, but what does Mr. Miyagi come out with? A paint bucket and a brush. And he points him to this long fence, and he says, basically just gives it to him and walks off. Right? There's, there's the training, Daniel. And he is obviously frustrated and upset and doesn't get it, doesn't understand what's happening in that moment. It's, of course, not till the end of the movie that the, 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 uh, the dots start to connect and you as the viewer get to see that this was perfect training. The whole time, this was what was preparing Daniel to be the fighter that he actually wanted to become. The same thing is true for us when it comes to Jesus. In a similar way, the disciples and the crowds, as we're going to see today, they, they misunderstand Jesus. They misunderstand who He is, His life, His ministry, His mission. They don't fully get it. But Jesus understands. Jesus knows exactly what He's doing. In the end, it all makes sense. It all points to greater glory and greater joy. We're going to see that in today's text. We're going to see sort of the beginning of this confusion, this misunderstanding that the disciples and the crowds are starting to get and that Mark is bringing to emphasis or to emphasize. And it's not that Jesus is trying to trick people, to trick them. No, the issue is that they just don't have eyes to see it. They don't have the heart, the mind to see it, to apprehend who God is and what God is doing in their midst. And so this morning, we're going to see Mark through Jesus. He's clarifying to us who and what Jesus is doing, specifically his mission. And under three headings this morning, his mission was empowered by prayer. His mission was to proclaim the good news. And third, his mission was to become the good news. And the hope this morning is that we would not misunderstand these points. We would not misunderstand and misinterpret the life and the ministry and mission of Jesus. And that as we gain a better understanding, greater clarity this morning about Jesus, that we would be drawn to Him. That we would take the next step in coming closer to Jesus and to follow Him in repentance and in faith. Let's pray for the Lord's help as we dive into this text. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You are a speaking God, a God that is bringing truth to us, and we ask that this morning, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, that You would speak to us through Your Word. Reveal to us the good news of Your Son, Jesus, who He is and what He's come here to do, what He is doing in our lives. Would You give us humility and faith to respond in worship and in joyful obedience. We give you this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
So the first point here is that Jesus' mission was empowered by prayer. We see this in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Yesterday for Jesus was an extremely busy day. He was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. He spent time doing ministry way into the night, past when the sun would go down, past when it would be normal to go home and rest. Jesus continued through the day. We read last week that the crowds, the city was flocking to this residence where he was, and he was spending the night healing and ministering to all the people's needs. And so this following morning, if there is a reason, if there's a, if there's a good excuse that you would have, like today's the day, sleep in a little bit. Get some physical rest. You, you did a lot yesterday, Jesus. That would be a, a need, right? But there was something that Jesus felt that he needed more than a couple more hours cozied up in his bed. He needed time and communion with his Father. He needed to connect himself to the power source for his ministry. Where all of his ministry was flowing from was was his relationship with the Father. Jesus, the Son of God, was a man of prayer. It's been said that every major event in his life, he prayed before and after. He was constantly praying. At his baptism, there is prayer. Going back and forth between cities at miracles before choosing the twelve. At Peter's confession, the transfiguration, before he would teach his disciples, he would spend time in prayer. Jesus was a man of prayer. The question for us, I think that we need to ask is, is that if Jesus, the righteous one, the Son of God, if He felt the need to go and be with His Father in prayer, how much more are we? Broken, sinful, rebellious people? How much, how much more should we need communion with our God through prayer? What does our prayer life look like? Where are we going for power? Where are we going for the source for life and ministry? If we're not going to prayer, what are we going to? What are we spending our lives doing? Uh, We spend a lot of time on social media. Busying ourselves with social media. John Piper one time said, the reason why Facebook exists is to show us that in the end, our prayerlessness will not be because of lack of time. We spend a lot of time, fill in the blank, doing a lot of unnecessary things. Maybe it's even what we would consider necessary things. Sleeping in a little bit more or, you know, taking care of ourselves. It's not that that's bad. Jesus and the Bible would would say to us that that rest and taking care of our body is good. We should honor that. But there's a deeper thing that we need to honor. The spiritual life. The spiritual heart and relationship that we have with our Father. So how can we repent this morning in terms of our prayer life, in terms of where we are uh, looking for our source? 
What was Jesus being empowered for? What type of life and ministry was he, was he needing? And we see this next. His mission was to proclaim the good news. Verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Verse 36 here with Simon, Peter. This is where we really see, like, they're not understanding what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is about. They couldn't find him. And the word here is this, this is an intense search. They're on a serious search for Jesus. Right? Last night was incredible. I mean, people were getting healed. Demons were cast out. Where in the world is Jesus? we got a thriving ministry here. Where's Jesus? And when they find Him, this is actually a bit like a rebuke. Jesus, you don't understand what's happening? Where have you been? We've got ministry to do, Jesus. And he responds, let's go. Let's move on. i got to go about preaching. That's why I came. He gives the reason. This is why I'm out here. I'm praying and I'm connecting with my Heavenly Father. And I've got a different mission that you're not understanding. I'm not just here to heal everybody. Become a miracle worker. I'm here... I'm doing that, but that's testifying to what I'm ultimately doing. I'm preaching. I'm bringing the truth of God, the Word of God. His authority, right, being declared in these moments. So he says, we're moving on. We've seen this. The words here also are a little bit more broad. It's not just that he came out into the, he left the city because he needed to go preach, but like that's why he came to the earth. He came to the earth to bring the kingdom of God in its fullness, to proclaim and to preach the good news. Jesus is first and foremost above and beyond every priest, every prophet, every other preacher that possibly could be on this earth. He is the ultimate preacher. He is the ultimate truth speaker. God, God's word that he brings to us in full authority, in full clarity. And as we talked about last week, a couple of weeks ago, he is the embodiment of the Word of God. And that's exactly what some people don't want to hear. Not everybody wants that message. They don't want a message of good news that involves talking about sin. I don't, I don't want to hear about how guilty I am and how much of a sinner I am. I don't, I don't want to talk about obedience. I don't want to hear about the wrath of God, the anger of God, the holiness and the just nature of God. I don't even want to just hear about the love of God. Oftentimes, that's how we react and that's how the crowds are reacting. What are they getting amped up about? They're getting amped up about Jesus' healing ministry about the power that's coming through this man, the sensational ministry of this man, the following, the buzz. They liked all that. A conference, signs and wonders conference, sign me up. I'll go to this, I'll go see this guy. But a conference about the holiness of God, 
conference about repentance and faith, conference about sacrificing for the glory of God, suffering. No, I'm not going to go to that. Our ears get tickled with the things of this world. And Jesus, right, he becomes a means to an end of, of worldly things. Not that we would worship and enjoy Jesus for who he is. Why are you a Christian today? Why are you here today? Why are you tuning in to this message today? Is it because you are seeking the face of God? Or is it because you like the perks that come along with being a Christian? You could just pat yourself on the back because you feel good about yourself. Or you get community and fellowship, and that's wonderful. There's lots of amazing, wonderful gifts that God brings. It's just that's not the point. The point is God. The point is loving Jesus above all things. Why are we following Jesus today? Let's follow Him for the Word and the truth that He brings to us. But that's not all that his mission was about, proclaiming the Word of God. He not only preached the good news, but his mission was to become the good news. We see that next, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out. And began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Our context here for this story, it's kind of hard for us to understand in our modern day and time. But this story is completely, unbelievably scandalous. It's unbelievably scandalous, shocking, unheard of, can't make sense of it. Leprosy was not just like getting a cold. It had massive physical, social, and spiritual implications. R.C. Sproul, uh, Sproul paints this picture of leprosy well. He says this, If you were found to have leprosy, you were deemed to be not just unwell, but unclean. Leprosy could not be healed in the ancient world, so lepers were cast out of the covenant community. You were not allowed near the temple and could not enter the gates of Jerusalem. You had to live alone without the fellowship of family members and friends. You wore tattered clothes and had unkept hair. It was necessary to cover the lower portion of your mouth so you could be noticed from a distance as a leper. You were not allowed to come within 50 paces of another human being. If you saw anyone else approaching, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean, 
unclean, lest you spread your contamination. To be a leper was to be the ultimate outcast in the house of Israel. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that sort of life, that sort of existence? Your identity is completely wrapped up in this. You are considered cursed by God. You are ashamed of who you are and what you have. You are in great pain and considered unclean. Through and through, unclean. Nobody wants you. Nobody can get near you. You're so bad, you need to be as far away from people as possible. And here he is, this guy, in this context, this leper, comes up to Jesus. He's already broken the 50 pace rule. He's broken the law. To come to Jesus. And he says, if you are willing, Jesus, Will you make me clean? He knows Jesus' power. He's, he's not saying, are you able? But he's saying, are you willing? I know your power, but you are righteous. And, and look at me. I, I, I'm the scum of the earth. Like, What are you going to have anything to do with me? Why would you even look on me? But would you be willing? Could you be willing? That's why I'm here. Some hope that you would be willing, right? It's interesting, again, to R.C. Sproul's point, he's not saying, can you make me well? Can you make me clean? Can you make me clean, Jesus? I'm tired of being dirty and filthy and being the refuse of the world. How's Jesus going to respond? This is the moment. All eyes are on this righteous teacher. What is he going to do? Is he going to slam him with judgment and say, hey, back up! You broke the 50 pace law. Get away from me. Does he slam him? Tell him to get away? No. It's not what Jesus does. It says he's moved with pity. Something happens deep in Jesus' heart. It's this deep emotional stirring of His entire being. Pity or compassion or some early translations here, anger. He's moved with anger. Not at the man, but what's happened to the man. He's mad about that. He's mad about what sin and evil have done to this man. And from that place of deep, stirring anger and compassion, he reaches out his hand and does the unbelievably scandalous act of touching a leper. He says, I will be clean. Jesus then broke the law, touching him. Jesus is above the law. He's not against it. He's the fulfillment of it. He supersedes it. 
It's a good illustration I saw from R.C. Sproul. He said, it's like, a, it's like a traffic cop. The light's red, and he tells you, go ahead, come into the intersection. Cross over. There's somebody here that's in higher authority than the written ceremonial law. It's Jesus. He says, I will be clean. Be clean. Unbelievably scandalous. And what happens? The guy's clean. Jesus is not contaminated. That's normally what would happen. Jesus would then be defiled. Jesus is not defiled. Jesus makes him clean. Jesus makes him clean. And he tells him, go show yourself to the priest so you can be welcomed back into the community, but don't go tell everyone. And this is sort of messianic secret principle that Jesus has. And the point is, Jesus, he doesn't want to be a miracle worker only. He doesn't want everybody to come here and just to put him in power. He's got a mission. And so that's why he's keeping this thing a secret until his cross and resurrection. And this guy disobeys Jesus. He runs away and he can't help but telling everybody what he's done. So that's how this story ends. And Dr. Aiken puts it well. He says, this story ends with substitution. It ends with substitution. Jesus was on the inside in the synagogue teaching. And he ends here in this story. He's out in the desolate place outside of the city. The leper begins the story outside the city gates. And he ends in the story inside the city gates in fellowship. There's substitution happening here in the story that, that Mark is drawing our attention to. The main point here in this story is not leprosy. The main point is something so much deeper and greater than leprosy. It's what leprosy is a picture of. As Warren Wiersbe says it this way, he says, leprosy is a picture of sin. Like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin. It spreads, it defiles, it isolates, and it renders things fit only for the fire. And that is the picture of all of us. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have sinned. That act of sin has defiled us. We are unclean. We are hostile to God. We are dead in our sins through and through. There's no life in our natural hearts. That is us. We deserve to be outside the city gate. We deserve the fires of hell and God's judgment. And we must then ask, is there any hope for us? Is there any hope? And the answer, biblically, is yes. There is hope. There is great, shining, marvelous, wonderful, unbelievably scandalous hope for us sinners in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came not just to proclaim good news, but to become the good news for us. Jesus is not just reaching out His hand to touch us and make us clean. He's going to the cross to absorb 
our uncleanliness, to absorb our sin, to bear the wrath of God in our place. He does take on our uncleanliness. That's how we would be made clean. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, He who knew no sin became sin for us in our place so that we might become the righteousness of God. At the cross is the most desolate place for anyone to be. A criminal. The epitome of being unclean, unwanted, the refuse, the scum of the world. And that's where Jesus went. That's where all of us deserve to be. But He went there so that you and I would not have to go. And He was vindicated. Our sin didn't contaminate Jesus. It didn't defile Jesus. He was vindicated. Three days later, He would come out of the grave. The righteous one. Victorious over sin and the grave and all evil and all the devil and his schemes. Don't be afraid to come to Jesus this morning. He loves you. Don't think that your sin is too great for Him. Don't think that He doesn't want you. He desires you desperately to the point of a cross. He's already died for you. He's already moving towards you and He's wanting and desiring you to turn and to move towards Him and to receive His sacrifice for you. Don't be afraid of Jesus today. Run to Him. Run to Him. May we not misunderstand the life and the mission of Jesus. If we do, we will be eternally unsatisfied. And He might be a little unorthodox. And He might not do things the way that we would expect. But the truth is that if we will follow Jesus, in the end, everything that He has for us will just be blowing our minds. It will be one surprise after another that everything He was doing this whole time was perfect. It all was infinitely and perfectly calculated towards eternal glory of God and our eternal joy and happiness. He's asking us this morning to join Him, to see Him as a man of prayer who's interceding for us, to see Him as the proclaimer, the bringer of God's Word for us, and the one who became good news for us. He is the good news. And then as we worship Him and enjoy the life of Christ, we are to follow Him in this way. He is our Master. This is our way of life as well. To be a church that is, that is empowered by prayer. To be a church that's proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And to be a church, that's not becoming the good news, but that is adorning. It's making the gospel look awesome to this world. That's mission for us. God has called us to that. Let's not misunderstand Jesus. Our eternal joy hangs on it. May we come now in worship. May we come now in faith and repentance. All for His glory. Let's pray.
Father, we thank You that today, God, we see the scandalous but grace-filled, all-loving Gospel in the life and mission of Jesus. God, we thank You that we are the recipients of such grace. We bring to You now, God, we lay before You now nothing good, no righteousness here on our own. We come bringing our sin to You. Maybe for the thousandth time or maybe for the first time, God, right now we lay our sin before You and we just confess, God, we are sinners. We have sinned. And on the basis of Your cross, we ask You to forgive us. To shower us with grace. We receive the testimony of Your love towards us in the cross and resurrection. And God, by faith, we now rise. Having been touched by the cross of Christ, we now rise in the righteousness of the resurrection that You have given us. God, would You allow us, Harvest Church, and all those tuning in, God, would You allow us to be Your faithful servants, enjoying You and making much of You all the days of our life. It's in Your name that we pray. Amen.